politics Some culture and craft beer Politics And that is why you're here Politics Adam's up Welcome to Potoms Up. Fred and Blotto discuss the politics of today, the culture of our lives, and the beer of our state. Potoms Up, everybody. How's it going? Episode 61 coming at you. Like 1961, best year ever. That's when the grassy troll be born. So... It's a wonderful number, 61. Everyone love it. Love it. Tell your friends. And somewhere out across the distances, Knobs and Blotto sit in wait. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know who was going to go first. There's no uh, you know, I was gonna wait you out cues now. or anything to go on here. No body language. So. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. I worked outside today. It was what mid fifties up here, and I got some work done around the house, and it's a pretty good day. No complaints. Nice. I might be complaining tomorrow when I wake up all sore and stiff, but that's a problem for tomorrow, not today. Uh, that just means that you had a good day's work. Yeah, that's right. You made an honest man of yourself for a change. <laughs> As for me, I'm I'm doing pretty well today. Better than yesterday. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know about you guys, but uh, do you do you feel like your your attitude towards this uh, quarantine uh, sort of is a roller coaster? It changes sort of every day. Like some days are okay, and some days are not. Um, no, every day has been okay. Yeah. Okay. I I actually kind of been liking it in a, in a big way. <laughs> in a big I'm, kind of, way. I'm kind of comfortable with it, actually. I, I don't have to get dressed. I shower when I want to. I, I don't have anywhere to be. It, it's kind of nice not having a schedule. And so far, the me and the women folk haven't killed each other. So we're not getting on each other's nerves, which is surprising. And I don't know. So far, so good. I, I, you know, the only thing I've noticed is that I, I find myself feeling more tired than I normally would, but I'm getting more sleep than I ever did. And Joe Rizzi told me she saw a thing on the news that said that's typical in situations like this because she used the word grieving. It's like a grieving emotion. I don't feel like I'm grieving, but maybe I am. I don't know. But other than that, everything's been uh, coming up daisies, kind of liking it. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I have napped like every single day, and it's been beautiful. <laughs> so, I know what you mean about being tired and getting lots of sleep. It's been fantastic. I took one earlier. It's just been kind of weird. It's like, I shouldn't feel this tired, but man, I'm just zonked by the end of the day. I, I don't know. I don't get it. So, anyways, so so what are you alluding to there, Blato? To to me, I I, I just think this whole thing kind of sucks, and 
you know, yesterday I, I did have to make a run to the grocery store. And it was like uh, a stressful, depressing kind of, you know, venture to the outdoors. And I, I just couldn't wait to get out of there. And normally I love grocery shopping. And, you know, it just, uh, just the whole day, the whole thing about, about it, you know, sort of got me down. And I've had good days and I guess, you know, bad days. You know, I, one of the things I, I suppose might be different for me than you guys is I do work out of my house all the time. So those liberties, you know, um, you know, there's something that aren't new to me. And, mm. But but I think what what's bothering me is not the upside of just hanging out in your PJs all day, is uh, I, I I just start to become overwhelmed about thinking of the seriousness of what is occurring, and it just and and then I think that just that just drives me right to the bottom, not to be that dark, but you know that's. Uh, and yesterday, going grocery shopping with my mask on was just one of those times. It was like, this really, truly sucks. I can't find the stuff that I want. The selections are, you know, minimal at best. There's things here that I can't get. And uh, all I do is want to get out of here. And I'm thinking, is everything I'm touching covered in spores? You know, just the whole thing. Just, I, I just... So now that I'm, part, I'm, I'm I can, not enjoying I, this at all. I can agree with that part as well because I had to go out yesterday also, and I had the same experience. People are in face masks, and you want to just leave the store as soon as possible, which I tend to do anyway. But regardless, getting home, I, I feel dirty after being outside. Now, do you have that feeling too? Oh yeah. Like I have, to, like as soon as I get home, I have to just wash my hands thoroughly. Because anything I touch could be infected. Correct. That's a weird feeling. Yeah. Are you are you wearing gloves everywhere? Or you're not doing that. I'm not. I haven't worn gloves no. <clears throat> no. But I, 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 you know, it's it's I, to to me, it's just the whole thing. You know, it's 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 just if I start thinking about the 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 entire thing that is occurring uh, here in the U.S. and around the world, then it's like. You know, this really kind of sucks. But let's get to the beer because I know I'll feel better. And actually, today, I do feel fine. Today has been a fine day. Uh, oh, that, awesome. Like I said, yesterday was was more of that sort of uh, uh, roller coaster. Well, j just before we do switch over, I, I will, like Nobs, just agree with you. Like the going to Kroger's, that I guess that part is really not fun at all because it's super depressing. And But besides that, it's not that bad so far to me, but yeah, going to the stores and it's it's just depressing and defeating, blah blah blah. So, but we do have beer. <laughs> Thank God for that. We shall explore. Um, it was sort of my week, and sort of, sor it was my week, and I sort of goofed up the plan. <laughs> We're supposed to get two beers. I only ended up getting one, so we have a. Ladies' choice for second beer, but the first beer we all have, and um, what it is is it's Shorts Brewery Mule Beer. 
I had seen this beer ooh, probably when it first came out, and Joe Reezy had mentioned it, and for some reason, I just kind of turned my nose up at it, and I had no interest in it, and just thought it was another gimmicky beer. But the day I, this week, the day that I went to buy the beer was a beautiful sunny morning. The sky was bright blue. The sun was out. And I, w- I walked into the store and I saw it and it, I had a completely different outlook. I thought it's, it's almost summery spring out. A perfect beer would be a nice light beer with some lime and some ginger ginger beer in it. And, and I saw this, and I had a totally different outlook towards it. So I grabbed it. So it, it, I, I just thought this is the perfect time of year for a nice light beer with hopefully some uh, awesome flavors involved. So that's why I went for it. it Alcohol wise, it's only 4.5. So Boo. we're kissing sisters, but that's what you do sometimes during pandemics. Um, <laughs> I don't see anything about the bitterness, so I'm guessing it's probably not going to be too bitter. So, and, and you know, I didn't notice, but on the label, just like a Moscow Mule, um, they recommend drinking this out of copper. That's probably a gimmick because I can't imagine it's going to change the taste of it, but who knows. Well, I just saw that and went and fetched my copper mug. Yep, and I have my copper mugs. Oh, I've got to go get mine. I can do it in 30 seconds. Run back. Be right back. Hey, Nobs. Yeah. Um, So the, the photo that Fred sent showing the beer he picked out, um, it was in bottles. Yes. And the mule beer that I picked up is in a can. Well, you're in the minority. And, well, I was wondering what you had, right? So they only had the can at my Myers. But um, I, I was wondering if it was actually going to, you know, if, if it's a fair taste comparison, if one of us is drinking it out of a bottle and one drinking it out of a can. All right, I'm back. Sorry. Well, we know there's going to be some difference between the, the flavor. We talked about that before. But... Yeah. Now we just put it in copper mugs, um, so that should be somewhat of an equalizer. But you know, it, it probably would still taste a little different. Fred, I, w- I was just saying in your absence that uh, I had to buy the mule beer in the can. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I hadn't seen it in the cans. I didn't see it in the bottles. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And I saw I saw both. <laughs> It was an aluminum bottle. <laughs> yeah. uh, they had they had both varieties at your at, at your place of purchase, sir. Yeah, yeah, cans and bottles. Well, why would they do that? Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, I shorts. So in the what? copper mug, it certainly got pretty frothy. Yeah, yes, it did. I was going to say the exact same thing. I would think that's a property of the copper mug. You know, and it also looked kind of cloudy while it was pouring, you know, a little hazy looking. Um, I didn't really notice, but I'll notice on the second if I have another one, <laughs> which I'm probably going to because this is pretty good. It do taste like a mule. It, it 
so much so does it lack beer? I think it does. <laughs> it, it tastes like a mule. That's pretty darn close to a mule. <laughs> uh, are we sure it's not vodka? <laughs> hmm. it, it it tastes a little like beer, just like at the very end at the finish. But throughout most of the taste spectrum, it tastes kind of like a mule. I, I mean, the lime and the ginger dominate. Oh, yes. Without a doubt. It's probably a little sweeter than a mule. I, I mean, it depends on how you mix them, right? I mean, and now everyone has their own mule recipes. You know, I, I wouldn't want my, my, my Moscow mule to be this sweet, but it still tastes good. I don't think it's that sweet, but to each his own, right? Uh, yeah, it lingers quite a while, too. That's the ginger beer for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty good. It might be a meh for me. Uh, it would definitely be like a very hot summertime beer if I have it, if I buy it again. I would prefer just a regular straight-up mule, though. This, this is a situational, I think. Yes, definitely. Uh, I, but I think this would be a great beer on the beach. I think it's oh, a great yeah. camping beer. This could be a Higgin, Higgin Lakin beer. Um, you know, and yeah, as much as I like a, a Moscow Mule, you know, if someone's coming over, assuming that ever happens again, and we're hanging out on my back deck, <laughs> uh, you know, pull, pulling out one of these beers and, you know, hey, enjoy this. I, I think... Uh, you know, the guests would probably be pleased if they if they like Moscow Mules. So I, I'm, I'm going to go pretty strong for me on this one. A strong for me? Yeah, I, 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 I wow. like the, the flavor, and uh, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's uh, uh, unique and different and uh, well-made. I would I, say I this is a pretty, well pretty strong for me situationally. I would not just pull this out of the fridge hanging out on a afternoon, but like having a barbecue beach, those type of things, definitely for me. So are you saying that the, those other five bottles are going to be there <laughs> until you have a barbecue? No. Yeah, okay. You forget who I live with. <laughs> they, they won't last long. <laughs> if I had any disappointment about this beer, it would be the low alcohol content. Right. Yeah, they, they could have gone more. For this kind of drink, being that it's designed after a cocktail, this could be like a 6, 6.5. Yeah. I think we should do a revisit during the summertime where we do the mule beer and then a real mule on air. No, oh, sure. okay. Do a side-by-side. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, twist your twist, arm, right? Twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I might change my mind after I finish it, but right now it's going to be just a mess for me. Okay. Fair enough, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> to each his own. Before we Mostly jump- because it's so situational, I think. That's a big part of it. See, I could see myself having one of these... Uh, later this evening, <laughs> <laughs> after, 
before dinner, after dinner, I, I, I think I'm going to end up uh, buying this one again. <laughs> so what you're saying is next time we come over, they're not going to be there. Not the, uh, yeah, not, not the six pack that I bought for this. Probably not. Not the original pack. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what's, what's yeah. inter- interesting, you remember last episode we were talking about uh, choices for summer beers. So we had the official. And so this is a contender as well. I mean, this could be a really good summer beer. Yeah, it's so, it's 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 so novel, though. I, I don't know if it would be, you know, I'm reaching for a beer. This is I'm almost reaching for that mule substitute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, yep, I think gotcha. it's almost too gimmicky to be the everyday beer. Hey, speaking of which, uh, Dill stopped by yesterday to pick up something, kept his distance, uh-huh. uh, and we chatted outside. And he said, got a beer? And I said, sure, let me get one. And I went and grabbed an official for both of us. He looked at it. He said, you know, I usually don't like IPAs. I said, give this one a try. Just like the rest of us. He's like, wow, this is terrific. That That's a good beer. Yep. Yeah, he's like, what is this again? And I said, you know, it's this Bell's product, and we had it on podcast, and we all thought it was uh, um, a really smooth and easy-drinking IPA. And he said, I normally don't like IPAs. He goes, they're too hoppy, too bitter. I said, I don't, yeah, this one just settles in there nice. I, I think it definitely crosses over and, and uh, pulls up some people who would no- normally not ever gravitate towards an IPA. It it's definitely is reaching across the aisle, as they say. <laughs> anyway, just, just validation for, for our review last week, I thought. <clears throat> and to further validate it. Mine are all gone. (laughs) (laughs) Half pint wiped mine out. Of course. She's been doing like these um, online kind of like what we're doing, but with her girlfriends, they've been watching TV shows together, you know, and uh, playing games and that kind of stuff. And I've been seeing a lot of empty official cans laying around (laughs) the next morning. (laughs) So She's quickly going through my stock. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's my girl. All right, so shall we get started here? Fired up. Uh, what's on our mind? Coronavirus. The Rona. I don't want to get the, the Rona. Rona. The Rona. Uh, we're, you know, should we have like a day counter? Like, is there an official day of, of isolation? Hmm. You mean personally uh, or for the country or the state? I, I guess or for our state, you know? Yeah. I don't remember the exact day that, uh, old Gretchen, uh, well, locked this up. Okay. There was 23rd? the third, no, 16th. The, I think it was the 16th was the first go-round. The non-essentials closed, I think, a week after that. Yeah, I can't recall. So I don't, I don't know if we're two weeks into non-essentials yet. I don't think that we are. Uh, I think Monday would be two weeks. Yeah. Um, 
the state of emergency was declared the night of the the primary because that's when the first cases in Michigan were discovered. I don't remember that. Yeah, could be. And then the next day, I think that was the, the timeline. I, I also think that's kind of when the shit really hit the fan all throughout the U.S. was when Michigan announced it had its first two cases. Um, seems that way anyway. Two cases. Seems like forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. What is Michigan up to now anyways? Like case-wise, is it like 7,000 or something like that? That sounds about right. Yeah, that's crazy. Let me get to work. I'll, I'll pull it up. Um, okay. But uh, I guess uh, what we're not supposed to do is we're not supposed to be – uh, stockpiling our ventilators, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, y- you know, <laughs> this th- this business about stockpiling is it's it's lunacy, and y- you know it's really um, refreshing to hear uh, New York Governor Cuomo talk about his ideas of the way this is supposed to happen and the whole purpose of having a federal government. And if you haven't really heard him talk about this, Fred, I I recommend it. Um, But... uh, Well, I've I've seen quite a few of his... uh, Pressers. His talks. Yeah. His daily pressers. And uh, he's pretty straightforward, cuts through the crap and... Did, no nonsense. Well, did you see where he just secured another thousand ventilators for for New York? I think from China. I did see that. Yeah, and but at the same time, he's being honest about the situation, saying I shouldn't have to do this, and I shouldn't be competing against other states for these ventilators. Well, I I, I saw that that part where he says that. It, He's trying to obtain for New York X amount of ventilators. He's competing against the other 50 states and territories. And then FEMA jumps in. Correct. And they start trying to buy everything up. So not only is he competing with the other states and territories, he's actually competing with his own government. So everybody is driving the prices up against each other when... In reality, it should be the federal government should be handling it alone, procuring what they can get their hands on, and then finding out where they're needed most. And then, but it, this is so ass backwards with the way things are going with these clowns in the oral office. Oh my god, are are they that stupid? Go back. Rhetorical question, of sure. Yeah, go sure. Go back to what he said. I don't know. Maybe it was three weeks ago, dear leader, when he said it is up to the states to go and cut their own deals, and then he undercuts them by putting FEMA on it. I mean, it it, 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 is. it, it is. It is. It is just lunacy. Uh, the way that the PPE and the materials and the resources are being allocated here. And, you know, Cuomo is being very realistic about it, saying, look, I have high need right now. 
Chicago is going to have high need in another week. You, you know, we've got to start figuring out how to move these products around as demand goes up in places or drops in another place if we have a finite number of resources. And, and he's trying to look at it in the most pragmatic way. And now from the right wing nuts, all I'm seeing are these ridiculously, you know, uh, misleading or just flat out false and lying memes about Cuomo's trying to hoard the ventilators. Well, he, here's the thing. He, he needs to hoard them. He needs to create a stockpile because they, they, the need is going to be there very soon. <laughs> and then it won't be a stockpile anymore right. because they'll be distributed to all these bodies laying in these beds. It's it's not really a stockpile at that point, No, right? it's a, it's a it's a it's preparedness. anticipated number, a preparedness. Yeah, exactly. That they know is coming. <laughs> it it's it's numbers. They don't lie and it, and it's coming. I mean, it might be off by a little bit, but in all likelihood, it, it's going to come. I don't know. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, and, and then you've got Kushner now, who's in charge of all this. Yeah, who let him out? Um, he, popped, he popped up from his hole. What the heck? What was that all about? Why did he show up? Look, look at the parade of people that 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 Trump has pranced out to be in charge of this. I, I mean, he, they, they have Mr. My Pillow out there. He, he just wants to talk to you about the Bible. He, Bibles and pillows. But but Trump is only putting Trumpsters out there. That's his main thing, right? You know, I, I didn't see his thing today, and I really don't want to see them. Uh, was Fauci even on? I saw nothing today, so I don't know. There, there was one at 3.30, I believe, today. Um, and I saw just a video image of it, and I didn't even see Fauci in the background. He's like hit or miss. Seems like sometimes they let him play, sometimes they don't. And I'm not sure if that's his doing or their doing. He's the only one that needs to be speaking, ever. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. going back to, 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 to Kushner, uh, I'm, I'm going to read the quote. The notion of the federal stockpile was it's supposed to be our stockpile. It's not supposed to be the state's stockpile that they then use. What an idiot. Okay, so dissect that for a second. It's supposed to be our stockpile. What does he mean by our? Okay, so, okay, so what would you do? with those numbers of ventilators within your stockpile. If you don't distribute them to the states, what would you do with them? You effing moron. I guess he just you figures they're for Washington, D.C., District of Columbia. <laughs> no, I... I Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, who is... All their golf buddies. Who, who is he referring to when he says, our... And, 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 He's talking about the Trump dynasty, and, and, the family. And then he says it's not supposed to be the state's stockpiles, okay, which is ass backwards, right, moronic. But then the last line or the last couple of words is what really gets me. He says that they then use. 
So <laughs> he's admitting that the states will use them. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe he thinks they're not going to use them, you know, appropriately, right? I mean, you know, they're going to use them, um, you know, in your tool shed so you don't get sawdust in your, you know, nose while you're cutting some wood or something. I, I don't know. Like, like he says that they're going to use them. So then why wouldn't he want to offer them? And, you know, his comments have been lambasted up and up and down the media and, and, and social media and all that. And, and I've been in some arguments with some folks uh, about his comments. Uh, you know, one person tried to tell me that this is all because of the way people are interpreting the word stockpile. And I was like, uh, no, no, no. I, I'll tell you what, if you want to really go there, it's because of the words that he used uh, of our and not. <laughs> those are the two key words Amen. in what he said, Amen. our and not. And those are unambiguous terms. And But it, it once again just shows that the people in charge are in over their heads. If you can't go out there and articulately express the the objective goals, strategy, uh, and position of the federal government without it being ridiculed, no matter what he meant, then you're not fit for that job. You know, the, the, the words matter and how uh, intelligent you are or come across really matter. And it doesn't matter to the Trumpster world. And, you know, you know, people, while well, I speak Trump, I, I don't care if you know what he meant. This is what he said. And, and, and when does the press now start, start to have to die a second? They've been trying to do it now for almost four years, right? What he meant and what he really meant and then what he said and disregarding what they say. I mean, it, it just... It, it just adds to the whole notion that this administration is wholly unfit. Top to bottom, left to right. Yeah. yeah I, and, and I think we talked about this last time too, but it, it's, it's still really sticking with me. And I, I had to point it out again today to somebody who doesn't even like Trump. And he was saying, you know, that, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of moving in the right direction and we're taking all the necessary steps. I, I'd, I'd have to look up at his quote. But I'm like, let's not forget what a DB this guy is. <laughs> you know, I, I don't care if, 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 if Trump created the vaccine for coronavirus. <laughs> like, I, you know, if he put on a lab coat and mixed a couple test tubes together, <laughs> he's still unfit to be president. So, you, you know, none of this is going to change my opinion of him, uh, you know, no matter how this thing works out and hopefully it works out well in the end. And thank God for governors that are stepping up and doing the right thing. They're the ones that are truly showing leadership. Unless you're, red, if, unless you're a Republican governor. Well, I mean, there's only eight that still haven't, you know, 
close down their states because they're waiting for some kind of like uh, secret handshake from the White House or something that, that gives them the cover they want. I, I don't know. It's like that jackass down in Florida. Yeah. What, what's his name, the governor there? DeSantis. DeSantis, yeah. He, I mean, he had all that pressure on him. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And then that um, Surgeon General kind of like half-ass, underhandedly said, yeah, we should probably have a national lockdown. And then DeSantis all of a sudden goes into action and locks the state down. And it's like, what are you waiting for? You've got a state full of uh, people, 80 plus more. You know what I mean? There's per capita. There's more elderly people in that state who are the most vulnerable to this. And the guy's jerking around and, and letting the uh, spring breaks carry on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Total, total lunacy. What in the world? Um, oh, my gosh. And then, and then there's the guy from Georgia. Oh, yeah, that guy <laughs> that had the revelation. <laughs> I, I didn't know that asymptomatic people could spread the virus. I just thought only well, boy, howdy. How, how could something like that happen? Wouldn't you have to be coughing, sneezing, and such? You, that's the only way you could spread it round, right? I don't even know if I believe it. I can't even see it. <laughs> God. How do they survive? How do they survive? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what was amazing, like about Georgia, I think two of its counties were highest per capita with it, people who have been infected. <laughs> and yet the guy is fighting about closing the state down on lockdown. Yeah. Just it, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Didn't uh, speaking getting back to DBs. You, you were talking about Kushner. <laughs> Didn't wasn't there a walk back on his um, his speech that he gave? Yes. Weren't they trying to correct it? I only saw the headline. Didn't see the. Um, I didn't read the whole story, but but I saw that they were trying to walk it back and and make him look like not the DB that he really is. Yeah, there there was something, but again, what he said is what he said. Right, I mean that, that it, you can walk it back and and try and put spin on it, uh, but there's a real, um, you know, uh, us versus the rest of the world mentality that they have, and you know, if a Trumpster was sitting here, they'd say, well, that's be because of the media has created that, uh, you know, no, that's. That's not what the problem is. You know, this is all, uh, everything they get that's negative is, uh, you know, self-inflicted. They bring it on themselves over and over and over again. And, and you know, the, the, the thing that Kushner said, it, it goes back to how other people have described his father-in-law that when he tells you something, that's who he is and that's what he means before they get the chance to try and walk it back or spin it or whatever listen to them because they're saying exactly what they mean mm -hmm. when kushner said that he meant exactly what he said and now they try to mince words and make it sound a little less harsh or whatever that's bullshit he he's he he said 
what he meant and he meant what he said. So. So I, I think I had mentioned that my boss is, is kind of a Trumpster. Um, he's not all in, but he sent out this uh, email to our sales team and uh, he labeled it, uh, what, is it uh, what did he call it? Inspiring article. And uh, it was about, uh, you know, the priorities in America are now about faith and family and community. Um, you know, it's about healthcare workers being more important than athletes and, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's all kind of fine and dandy, you know. Uh, Florida Power and Light won the prestigious international award for excellence for the superiority on CAD design for something. And I don't know. Uh, so I'm reading this article and I'm like, there's still sort of rings of like right wing propaganda to me. Right. Um, you know, what a great job FEMA is doing. Da, 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 da. So I roll, I scroll all the way down to the end of the article. Okay. Like I said, most of the sentiments in the article were pretty good. Um, you know, how we uh, order an extra lunch or dinner from a local restaurant to give to someone else or whatever, tip people appropriately, blah, blah. The very last paragraph of the article, President Trump is doing what needs to be done with far more information than me and in the best manner he can assemble to keep America great. He does this while simultaneously swatting away thousands of piranhas biting at him on an hourly basis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So so I I I I reply back and I say uh agree with most everything here except for the last paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't really want to raise the share. And oh he knows how I feel. <laughs> and um so he said, oh, I didn't see that. He didn't read the whole article. <laughs> and so then, <laughs> then, then uh, he, he, he feels compelled at that point in time to send out a qualifier <laughs> and said, uh, you know, something to the effect of... Um, uh, I did not mean to promote Trump with this article. <laughs> Just how the U.S. responds. <laughs> I was going to ask you why he would be sending around an article like that. You know, it almost seems like he's running the risk of hearing from HR doing something like that. I, I think he, 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 it was a pretty long article. So I, I, I don't blame him for not, you know, re reading every, every word. I think it was just about things that the communities are doing to help one another, you know, but, you know, my radar goes right up and I see little things in there about, you know, keywords and phrases that, you know, sort of tell me, okay, where's the Trump part? And it was there, you know, and I, and I, and I knew it would be there. Also, you know, it, 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 wherever he gets his news from does stuff like that. <laughs> it, was, it was very funny. Yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, he would have either deleted that last line or not sent it out. Hey, you know another subject? Were you done with that? Yeah.
I, I didn't mean to cut. Well, you actually, okay, I, I will go on about one other thing. Uh, okay, that sorry, article sorry, kind of makes on. me think of, and um, you know, I started off today kind of with my dour moments of yesterday, but there is really one what what I would consider inspiring. Uh, uh, experience or inspiring thing that's occurring during this uh, lockdown. And that is, you know, whether you are all in on this thing or you're skeptical that we're having an effect or, um, you know, curious as to whether or not it's working, how, however you feel about it, I, I got to give America credit. I got to give us credit. We are actually doing it. Like, I would have never thought that the U.S. would have ever shut down major sports over a virus that that has a 2% fatality rate. You, you know what I mean? Like, this may be the most serious thing we ever are faced with a nation. This could be, you know, just one in the top 10 in our in our lifetimes, whatever it is. But it's pretty amazing that, by and large, most people are doing what they can to comply with what we think the rules are now. And it's pretty impressive when you think about it. Because there's no country probably more self-centered and more selfish than Americans, by and large. And yet here we are, you know, we're not having riding in the streets. We haven't seen a spike in crime yet could be coming if this prolongs itself. But but by and large, people are complying. And it's pretty impressive to me that we're actually doing it as a as a as, as a unit. So are you are you comparing the American population to our government as a contrast? <laughs> um yeah, well no, I mean it, it kind of goes hands in hands. What I'm saying is the government has asked the people to do stuff that is really uncomfortable and we're doing it. I just, you know, to you know, me, it, I just think on, it shows common sense. Well, there's, there's not a lot of common sense. No. Common sense is not common normally. But. I, I don't, I don't look at it as, as I, I, I don't know if common sense is the way I would phrase it. Like, like you, you didn't have scores of restaurants saying, fuck no, we're not closing. You, you know, and, and I don't think, I, I, I don't think you had that because everyone was buying in that this is the common sense thing to do. I think you had everyone buying in because this is what our government is asking us to do. Society is bigger than my restaurant, so I'm going to comply. And I just think that's that's admirable because, uh, you know, like I said, we are a pretty selfish culture in America compared to others. Ours, our, ours, Are there fines for not complying? Our, our, sense of, our sense of community is really pretty weak on a day-by-day -day basis, I believe. So things like this do bring community together. The, the problem is it doesn't last, it falls apart. And I don't know if this is going to be any different. You know, I had a conversation so the other question. day that, you know, you know, this will be different. And I, I don't think it'll be different.
Yeah, we had a great sense of unity after 9-11. When did that fall apart? When Obama got elected? That's when the world ended. It, it didn't even last to the 2008 election. Did you have a question, Nams? I did. <laughs> um, uh, there's fines for not complying with this. Yeah, right? but I don't think that's what's driving it. I, 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 well, that's that's just my question: is if there were fines, if that could have something. To yeah, do with there that. are five hundred thousand dollar fines. I mean, for restaurants, you know. But but imagine if we had to send the state police into restaurants that were still serving food and allowing people to dine in. Could be chaos. I, I just think it's. I just think it's a, it's 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 good that people are for the most part complying as, yeah. as best they can, I, and I and I think that in another crisis, this kind of shows that it could happen. I mean, we'll have to see. You have your you have your outliers that aren't complying, of course, but even even when going to Meyer, like we talked about earlier, I'm still seeing people that are respecting your you know the six foot bubble around everyone. They're waiting their turn before they go up next to you to get something. They're keeping their distance in line. It's It's been pretty impressive, to be honest. It's, it's not so much. Yeah, agreed. It, and it's not even the way I'm looking at this, Nobs, is not even so much on the individual level. but in the, You're talking business. On the institutional level and on the business level. Yep. Right. That, that so many businesses aren't compliant. Uh, you, you know, to me, there was a real, like, I don't know, like, oh shit moment when the NBA canceled the rest of its season or postponed it or have done whatever mm-hmm. they've done. Um, that was significant to me because now all of a sudden you had big money interest, billion dollar interest saying, we, we, we've got to respect the community here. And, and, and in a lot of cases, uh, I don't give America that much credit. Very good point, Blatto. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> I think you were going to, you, 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 so, and, and, and I went off on that because I, I, it was one of those things that I was thinking about reading the email about all the nice things that we're doing. And I thought, you know what, we really are complying. So you were going to go on about something else there, Fred. You, you know how we were in, um, pregame just talking about the different uh, bullet points in regards to the virus. You know, one thing that we we didn't bring up in the pregame, but for whatever reason, just poofed into my little pea brain was um, the bipartisan inquiries that are going to be going on into the virus now that Pelosi is putting together and the return of the witch hunt is back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, what do you mean exactly? Well, the, the, they're going to be, with oversight, looking into the, the response from dear leader and his administration, another investigation. Oh. I think Schiff's going to be heading up one and Pelosi. I think it's a waste of time. Well, I, I, I'm not making a judgment whether it's a waste of time or not. Either way, I, I would just—I like being judge, being, being judgmental on these things. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking waste of time. And and if they do it, I'll, I'll be pissed. 
you know, if they feel that it can hurt his reelection chances, okay, fine. Maybe I can be on board with that. But other than that, uh, it doesn't do anything, you know. And and I and you've heard me in the past talk about congressional investigations and hearings, and they don't have any meat on them. They 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 don't. It's pontificating. Uh, sometimes the truth comes out. Absolutely, it does. Sometimes it just gets. Uh, drowned out by all of the misinformation from whatever side doesn't like uh, what the truth is, which is usually, you know, the Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know. Another good point, Blotto. But, but it is a waste of time. You know, I, 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 in this situation, I would much rather see them, um, you know, continue on to, to me, what they really ought to do is take this moment to say, okay, forget about the White House uh, response and timeline and failures. Let's assume that could happen anytime. So how do we fortify our social structures to make sure that, you know, we can meet a pandemic head on, do all the things that we need to do but at the same time, not collapse the economy. There was a great article by Vox this week uh, that says this does not have to be an either or equation. And uh, they gave some examples. Uh, I, I don't think the examples they gave were enough. Um, you know, for instance, there are businesses that are just going gangbusters right now, particularly in the grocery market and in the transportation of goods and things like that, right? Manufacturing, some are going crazy. So how do you take the unemployed or the recently unemployed and move them into those sectors that are that are thriving and need more people? Easier said than done. But th that was just one example that they gave of how to keep the economy humming while you have these huge problems. And I don't think we're gonna address that. That's where, you know, again, I get, I get, I get down on us again. <laughs> we're, we're, we're great at, at, at mobilizing when we need to, uh, maybe under the, under the guise of fear, maybe that, that's what does it. But under the premise of making society better, we're pretty slow to act. I would definitely agree with you know, that. And, and so, um, you know, there, there, there has to be, serious consideration given to, um, you know, paid medical leave and, you know, to, um, you know, make sure that our unemployment process can handle an onslaught of new claims uh, that might be brought about. Um, how do we figure out how to move money around more quickly or incentivize businesses that don't all of a sudden start laying off people. What's gonna tank the economy through this pandemic, and I'm not saying it, it, it has or will, but what will tank it, and anytime we run into a, a recession, it's because demand drops. People start feeling uncertain. And when they start feeling uncertain, they stop buying goods.
and services that they don't need. And we are a consumer-driven society. Uh, it would be great if that would change in some respects, but you know that's probably harder to change. So what has to happen is we have to continue to keep consumer confidence and demand up. And the only way to do that is continue to keep people employed. So sending everybody a $1,200 check is not going to make them feel good about, okay, I'm going to go out and spend my money like I was before. Being employed and feeling security in your income, that's when you are going to go out and spend money like you were before. And that's how you avoid recession. You almost, sending people money who badly need it, and I totally support it, is a band-aid. But if anything, it almost pe makes people more scared. And uh, so that's that's the part that still really concerns me, uh, Fred, is I, I just don't know what um, is really going to change. And so back to the the congressional investigations. <laughs> I, I'd rather see them spend more time talking about what did we learn from this? You know, national health care is important. Making sure that everyone have ha, has access. Did you see the article that I, I sent out about it's starting to look like there's a racial bias in who gets tested? No, I didn't see that. It was an NPR investigation. I, I mean, you know, they weren't putting the stake in the ground. They're just saying this is what the data looks like right now. Testing. I saw some talking heads on MSNBC speaking to that point. Yeah. You know, that, that, those are the things that we need to address and, address and learn from this, N not the failures of the Trump administration. Water over the dam, in my opinion. Just get them out. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think this will have long impacts on society and our benefits, or we'll just go on the back burner once Corona goes away? Fred, what what do you what do you think about that question? How much faith I do don't you have? It. Do you think that we are going to make changes for the future to help prevent this from happening again? At what level are you talking? On a national level? Yeah. I don't I don't think those assholes learn anything. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's any lesson lessons learned with these people. They're destined to f everything up, oh. like they do on a daily basis. I, I don't. I don't have any faith in who's in there now. And I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it matters on the voter level. Though. Yeah, I don't think that was Knob's questions, Fred. I mean, I think when you're saying they, are you? You're talking about Trump and his team, right? The White House, the executive branch. I, I'm talking about the politicians in Washington right now. Okay. All right, all right. I want to make sure that we knew who they they were. Um, right, I, I agree with you. I have very little faith that when this is done, they're going to, you know, do a serious postmortem on what what should we have in place to avoid uh, the economic impact of putting everybody in quarantine because that could happen again. We can be better about that, right? We, we could be much better about it. But what happens if all of a sudden this virus started in America, right? We had no warning. 
And let's say it was 30 more times contagious than this one is. And let's say it was, you know, three times as deadly as this one is, right? How, how do we put in place uh, safeguards that prov- that that are um, easily switched on and uh, I'll, I'll allow us to, um, to, to maintain the economy because it is go ahead. I I'm, I'm not even necessarily talking about another big national emergency like this. I'm more talking about even just finding these shortcomings in our current society every day to day, seeing people that can, that go without one paycheck and all of a sudden they, they have no means to live on no health insurance to get taken care of in a situation like yeah, this. I think a lot of that's coming up into the limelight now. No, it really, it, it really does. It's, 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 it's exposing all of those things. Um, and uh, again, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith that it's going to be addressed. You, you know, um, you know, it, it is, it is in many ways, the kind of things that, um, you know, Bernie Sanders and other Democratic socialists have been talking about us things that, that that we've talked about, maybe not on podcast or or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, to 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 think that there's there's going to be some meaningful change in 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 all of this, uh, that part I'm not as confident in, for sure. Uh, Fred, the the other the other thing that we wanted to touch on was um, the story about the uh, the captain from the ship that has been dismissed. For yeah, is, is how would you characterize his actions? Well, it, it seems to me that they're trying to. Uh, imply that this guy did not follow chain of command. Correct. And and they're saying that that's the reason they relieved him of duty. But think think about this. I believe the Teddy Roosevelt is the biggest aircraft carrier our Navy has. So not any schlub is going to be given the keys to that that mm-hmm. boat. Yep. <laughs> follow me. So. Logic, we, we always want to deal with logic. Logic would say that he understands the, the simple rule of chain of command. Would you agree or of not? Of course agree? he does. He's a career Navy guy was, at the highest levels. I was a sim, simple wingnut in the Air Force. And from day one, they pounded into our head, chain of command, chain of command. I understood it at, at my little pipsqueak level. The guy who is running the Teddy Roosevelt understands chain of command. I understand so it in my own house. Right. <laughs> the, the cats overrule you. You're low. You're on low on the food So the, the fact that they're saying he he decided not to follow chain of command, I believe, is. The, the, the typical Trump broiled up bullshit. I believe he tried through his chain of command because that's what he would do. That's what he would do beyond all logic. 
and he was getting nowhere. So what what did he do when he's got four to five thousand sailors who are his responsibility because that's his his ship, his responsibility for the well-being of those sailors. He basically took on the role of a whistleblower because he had right. to and he felt it was the right thing to do. So uh, it, it to me, it's just spinning and more bullshit and cover your ass kind of stuff by this whole bunch. And, and, and it smells of Trumpian crap to me. I, you know, the, the, the acting, acting, acting guy from the Navy, because we don't have real people anymore. He, he, he's saying that he wasn't, he lost confidence in this guy because he didn't follow chain of command. That's total bull. Yeah, it is. I, I I call bullshit on on every bit yeah. of this. Yeah, you know. I mean, let's you know, let's go back, and I'm, I'm sure this guy has an absolute stellar record. And you know, if he really wanted to, I guess, uh, you know, blow the whistle, but he probably won't. You know, come come out in front of the no. public and document and 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 show everything that he tried to do before he started sounding the alarms. No, because he's probably a guy of integrity and he'll take his lumps. And he'll he'll just be an, another body swirling in the wake from this administration. Oh. Another body floating face down in the water. No pun intended. No, no, no pun intended at all. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. And I, I was arguing first thing this morning with a, a guy that I argue with normally, and, and he's a he's ex Navy, and uh, it, it was it was a meme about how the presidents uh, pardoned that ex Navy SEAL who murdered those Afghan children. Plus, dear leader made sure he got his uh, trident got to retire with his Navy SEAL trident, yeah. but yeah, but yet they let this guy go. And and this guy's reply to me was chain of command. They probably didn't have that in the Air Force, which he's referring to my service in the Air Force. And and my reply to him was, oh really? So did this uh, guy who murdered the Afghan children, was he following chain of command? Dead silence. So typical. Yeah. Such bullshit. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I don't know if this has been one of our more upbeat episodes. <laughs> it's been something. It's been a wild it has, ride. It has been. I hope people are still still tuned in. Because, uh, you know... When it comes to wild rides, our next segment is truly that. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> uh, so um, let's, well, okay. So we got to go to the trove, except for we each got to go to our own trove. That's right. So um, I have to go to my trove. Uh, and I will go to mine. Mine's right next to me, as you heard. Okay, Fred, since it was your turn this week, why don't you be the first to share? 
What do you got? Well, I I'm real excited about this one actually because uh, this is an offering from Baffin Brewing Company over in St. Clair Shores. I, I really like that brewery, and uh, their beer is not uh, very readily available in many stores. So, like I said, I sort of stumbled across this, and when I, I saw it, I, I was really fired up and excited about it. It's a Bob Barley Cold Brew Coffee Stout. Mm, uh, it's a great name. good. Yeah, yeah. and um, let's see what else about this. It is eight percent alcohol, so that that's pretty snazzy. I'm liking that, and sixty five IBU, so it's probably going to have a little bite to it. But uh, that's up my alley, and I love. I'm a coffee guy, so especially cold brew coffee. I think it's awesome. So I'm really excited about jumping into this one. Uh, let's see if there's anything else worthwhile on that can. That seems like a pretty high IBU for a coffee stout. I know. I, I was sort of surprised at that, too, because it doesn't say it on the can. I, I ended up looking it up because I wanted to seem semi-prepared. And, uh, yeah, when it's at 65, I was like, holy cow, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting beer. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. All right. Nobs, what do you got? Well, uh, mine comes with a story. Love a story. So um, a restaurant slash bar near me has started offering a beer to go to where they have a small little growler and they will sanitize it and bottle it for you. And you just walk in, pick it up, and away you go. So yesterday I got some pizza and I got some beer from them. So in my hand, I have from Water Tower Sports Pub, which we talked about before, mm-hmm. a, from Oddside Ales, a Rye Hipster Brunch Stout. Oh, okay. And this says it's a delectable stout with coffee, maple syrup, and bacon with rye malt added and then aged in rye whiskey barrels. I was going to say with the rye, it has to be barrel aged. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this clock's in at 11%. Woohoo! Oh. Okay. That is definitely quarantine type beer. Yes. <laughs> I may wake up next week. <laughs> this will all be over. Yeah, especially with all your napping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, when you guys talked about how the, the does hanging out at the house make you more tired? For me, again, maybe because I work out of the house, none whatsoever. I'm still getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning like I do every day or 7.30 in between there and, you know, go to bed between 12 and 1.30 or whatever it is. And, you know, I, I don't feel any differently physically. You're used to it. It's all mental for me. Okay. Um, for me, uh, I also went very local. Um, uh, we talked about it, I think, on the last episode. I don't remember the... The home brewing place that I went to. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's called the Cap and Cork, and uh, they're a retail store for home brewers on the uh, in the front of the store, in the back of the store. They make their own beer, and they have all kinds of uh, tasting and to goes. And while I was there, I I picked up a couple types. 
I was hoping that I could share them with the crew, but I thought, well, we don't know that's going to happen anytime soon, and I can always get more. So uh, one of them that I purchased there uh, is called the Split Squad Spring Bach. It's a mouthful for sure. Um, I was just going to say that. <laughs> uh, uh, it is a 5.2 um, Bach beer. And then again, they're called the Cap and Cork. Uh, it is, I think they call it the Split Squad because it's. <laughs> I, I opened up my can and it splashed all over the screen. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, it's a split squad because it is in collaboration with another local brewery called uh, Sherwood Brewing. Oh, that's over on Shaner. Uh, I don't know exactly where it is, but yeah, it's out your way there, Fred. Sterling Heights or Utica, one of the two. Now, they must not... um, Cleaning up the screen here. (laughs) They they must not uh, package their beers because I've never seen them. I haven't either, but I, I've been there. Um, is it like just a, a, a tap room? Is it a restaurant? What, how, what's it like over there? Yeah, it's a fair sized. Uh, I would call it a tap room. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty good sized. Um, I don't remember eating there, so I'm not sure about it being a restaurant part, but I, I'm I'm sure it is. It's actually in a strip mall on Shaner north of hall on the west side you you'd miss it if you if you didn't know it was there but it's it's pretty good sized place though let me, let me correct you here because i i looked it up it says hayes not shaner okay hayes then i got okay. the wrong road yeah but right. i'm thinking of the same place i, I would have swore that was on shaner yeah it's on hayes i'm sorry before you get to uh, what the hell's the name of that street no it doesn't matter yeah okay okay well you know what's funny is is you got beer all over your screen, and when I poured my beer, I was getting no head at all, so I just put the glass totally flat. Then all of a sudden, it went crazy and was spilling <laughs> all over the place. Oh, it was like this delayed head, and it's just it was everywhere. <laughs> so we'll see what knobs does. Have any mine poured there? perfectly fine, no yeah. issues whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> knock on wood, because it's right by my very expensive computer. <laughs> okay, so let's let's keep the same rotation there, uh, Red. What's your what's your thoughts on your, uh, your your Bob Barley Kona Stout? Well, I'm going to tell you, my friends, this looks like motor oil, <laughs> which I love. I mean, it, it is black. And I told you it had a lot of head, delayed head, which is a nice tan color and nice bouquet. If you're a, if you're someone who doesn't like coffee, run, run. Mm. Because this, to me, this tastes like I am drinking a cold brewed coffee. Wow. I, it almost isn't taste like a beer. It tastes more like coffee than a beer. I, th- I think it's delicious. Because I'm a coffee person, and th- this is a hit in the spot for with me. Would you have it in the morning? I would. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be perfect. <laughs> in, in your pajamas, in, in your every every hour pajamas now? As I'm working. 
<laughs> Being paid by the man. No, but I, I, if you like coffee and you like motor oil beer, I think this is a, a good choice for you. And, I, you know, I, I, it says 65 uh, on the IBU. I don't know. It's, I, I'm not picking up all that bitterness, but um, that might just be my um, resistance to it. I don't know. But I really like this a lot. My excitement and anticipation have met. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'd get this again for sure. Not? Uh, yeah. So um, mine's not bad. It's very chocolatey. I like it. Um, I don't get really a t- much of the coffee, thankfully. Uh, like Fred's, mine is dark as the night motor oil. No head whatsoever, though. Uh, very thick. Um, you know the taste here. I'm not really getting a lot of the flavors they talked about. Uh, definitely the chocolate, but um, not so much of the vanilla. But it's it's not bad for a, for a barrel age, which usually isn't my style. Um, I think they did a very good job with it. And it might be a very light for me. Yeah. So how about yours, Bottle? Um, you know, I, I picked it up because it's a it's a, a Bach, and we don't get an opportunity to taste very many of those. Um, can, I, can I interrupt for a quick second? Yeah. Can I get clarification? My understanding is Bach is like the bottom of the barrel, like the sludge at the bottom. Is that your understanding as well? You know, inside. At the one time, it was my kettles. understanding. Yes, yes, I agree. At one time, that was my understanding as well. It, I've always understood Bach to be like the tail end of a, a brewing session where you get the stuff at the bottom of the barrel. I could be wrong, but I just was checking with you guys what your understanding of it was. I mean, I don't know if that's what, you know, th- this was this was some other beer in the top of the barrel. And then, uh, you know, they had like two different beers come out of the barrel. Uh, I, I agree with you. That was my understanding, say, years ago, right? Strohsbach, uh was probably where we picked up on that. Um, cause it was dark and malty. I, I don't really yep. know if that's, uh, um, really true. S- something, something to look up and maybe even go back to our fact checking. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, re- I used, I remember back when we were nubile beer drinkers that Stroh's used to come out with a Bach at the end of the year. And that's where I got the story that that was kind of like the, the stuff left in the bottom of the kettles and that's yeah. what they uh they canned up and put out and blah 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 that's where i'm getting it that's my point of reference um i could be totally way off base but go on finish with your uh critique um yeah, Fred, I, 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 I doubt that this is from the bottom of any barrel, but it could be, but that's okay. Um, my, my first impressions are it's it's a little weak. Um, 
you know, and, and, and Bach is typically not going to be a porter or a stout. I'm not even sure it would be a brown ale. Um, it just is kind of lacking. Um, you know, there's no particular flavor that jumps out at me. There's no particular characteristic that jumps out at me. And it's a little thin. Um, you know, maybe that's just because it's 5.2. And if it was, you know, higher alcohol content, it would, it would, it would have a little bit more, you know, stick to your ribs to it. But there's nothing really wrong with it. Um, it, it also could be probably a little bit more carbonated. So um, from can to glass, maybe it, it lost something. Um, so I'm probably going to lean not for me on this one. Um, but it, it could move up to a meh by the time we're done. <laughs> a, a lot of the, the descriptives you were using would make me run from that beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's almost starting to taste flat to me. <laughs> and you're reinforcing it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's um, you know, it, it's okay. Huh. Um, all right. So, um, there is something sweeping the nation. Throughout this isolation and quarantine that we have going on. Something that is truly bringing us together. <laughs> Unlike under one, one under one ruler, united. <laughs> uh, under a king, for example. Uh, un like a king, for example, yes. Um, something that uh, is bonding us. And... Uh, the phenomena is real, just as the documentary of the Tiger King is very real. And I was looking up some things about, about it, and there are people that believe that it is not real. <laughs> because it is so it's, outlandish. Right, yeah, that's... But, like, you can't make that shit up. <laughs> this is the, uh, in fact, I think I even said this to Pop-Tart when we were watching. This falls into the category of truth is stranger than fiction. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, uh, <laughs> what was the sound effect? That was an email coming into my computer. I, <laughs> God damn it. I, I thought it was maybe. Oh, you can leave that one. Come on. Yeah, no, I think we ought to leave it because I thought it was <laughs> some, you know, some train that, you know, took the tourists around Joe Exotica's <laughs> zoo or something. <laughs> or, or maybe that's the lead into Carol Baskin's show where then she follows it up with, uh, Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Hey, you cool cats and cool kittens. Well, wh why don't you share a... What? Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, why don't you share a short synopsis of the show for those one or two people in the entire country that haven't binge-watched it? 
yeah, sure. Um, so it's a it's a documentary, which um, you know we'll, we'll talk about how it kind of came to be, but it's basically a documentary about uh, big cat private zoos in the South, uh, particularly this one. Um, and I don't even remember the name of his zoo. Uh, it, it has sort of a bland name to it, but the the, the characters it's like GW Zoo or something. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, but the owner of the zoo is is this way out uh, dude called Joe Exotic. And uh, to describe, I, I don't even want to try and describe him. Um, and it's although. <laughs> I read this article <laughs> that described him as this is the genie that appears when you rub a two liter bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's not half bad. Um, <laughs> that's actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this, 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 this character, he owns this big cat zoo and he he is this flamboyant, gay, gun-toting, hillbilly redneck. Redneck. I, I mean, he he's just all over the place. He his personality is is bigger than life. Uh, when you watch the show, your your uh, your opinion and your and your uh, empathy or sympathy from the guy runs all over the place, right? Like, like what a douchebag! Or, wow, I feel sorry for this guy. Or, I, I mean, it's, he's he's he he uh, he's just all over the place, and and uh, I, I think that's part of the appeal of the show, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and then it brings in these other characters, one that uh, – two others, actually, that have their own big cat zoos. Uh, one is a sanctuary run by this woman named Carol Baskin who – she doesn't breed them, so she does really bring them in uh, just as a sanctuary. Uh, but then there's like this whole storyline about her murdering her husband. And <laughs> allegedly. And, allegedly, and then there's another guy down in Florida that has a big cat zoo, and uh, he's kind of a cult leader and has a harem, and and obviously these three people's lives have to intersect <laughs> in many places, and it's it's just a wild ride. Joe Exotics in Oklahoma, right? Yeah, yeah. Which how does that happen? Right, it still is there like a big he, calling for big cats in Oklahoma? It <laughs> just seems the, the Florida thing. I get Florida, 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 Florida. Absolutely, yep. He should be Florida. But Howie in Oklahoma, and there isn't there one other character. He's from Illinois. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's another guy. There's one other crackpot. He's from Illinois, and he sounds like he's from the backwoods of Louisiana or something, but he's up in Illinois near Chicago, as far as I remember. Let's not forget the Cuban drug lord either. (laughs) 
and uh uh, and, and then there's the, the, the guy from Hollywood that you, you never understand whether he has money or he doesn't have money, right? <laughs> God. And uh, his uh, penchant for, uh, you know, having uh, sex with multiple people at one time. He's the guy from Vegas, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to have somebody from Jeff. Vegas. Yeah. Jeff. Jeff Lowe is his name. Oh, yes, that's, that's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking up some stuff here. I, I didn't remember his name. <laughs> uh, so I, I remember I woke up one day and after hearing all the buzz on the internet, I was like, I don't, whatever. Like, I don't care about this show. And I woke up. I was like, well, I got nothing to do today, obviously. So I turned it on. And within like the first 10 minute intro that they do, I was like, I got my whole day scheduled right here. This is all <laughs> I'm doing. Uh, we did it in um, uh, two days, but we did like the it's eight episodes? Seven. So we did five the first we'll day. Seven, seven episodes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think we want to spoil anything. I don't know if there really is anything to spoil because, no. you know, you, whatever happens. It's a documentary, so I hate to say that there's spoilers, but yeah, exactly. still, I don't want to ruin the ride for anyone. Um, uh, but it is definitely uh, Hold My Beer television. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, what, what do you think... What do you think the appeal is of this? Like, is it, it, it is the timing just perfect for Netflix on this? Oh, yeah. Like, they couldn't have asked. Yeah, the timing for, because it, it just released, like, as all this was happening, the timing was impeccable. Uh, yeah. Like, like, almost one could say that they planned a pandemic just so people would be you know, forced to sit at home and watch this. <laughs> I don't um, think he had to force people to watch his show. Right. Uh, they say the time to actually do it. Do you think it would be as, it probably would be as big if it, we weren't in lockdown, right? I think the popularity curve would have flattened if we were not in lockdown. Wow, that's a bad analogy. By that I mean, <laughs> I know it was really bad, but no, I think because Thank everyone you, is Dr. Locked Fauci. everyone had to like everyone watched it within like a very short span, right? And I'd be I'd be surprised if like the hype and the popularity lasted much longer. I don't think we'll see the news in by next week. Okay, I, it, I've made knobs blast for knobs. Yeah, I've made similar <laughs> predictions. <laughs> I know about spikes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, does it? Does it? Is it? Are the people screaming more? <laughs> we, we we need more of this. I'm screaming that I want more. I just kind of tried putting myself in the place of the people who are going to these places. I don't quite get that. Oh, I, I could just never envision myself 
going out of my way to go to any of these places. You guys? I, I got a great story for you. I'll let Nobs answer first, but I got a great story for you. Would I ever go there? Was that your question? Well, I mean, yeah. Would you this, ever go? Like, like, would you ever go if you you were in that area and and you knew that was available? Is this something you'd go to? It depends. <laughs> if I was in that area already, like for some reason I lived there, and the prices weren't astronomical, which I heard they were, or they were according then, to the show. Then, yeah, I would I would probably consider it. So. <laughs> Mm. Your, your question, Fred, really reminds me uh, of a really great story. Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't go, um, one, because it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy expensive. Um, but two, uh, you know, zoos have really kind of worn out their usefulness. And private zoos are even worse. And so I, I wouldn't want to be a part of it. But um, in, I don't know, 1990 or whatever it was, um, my brothers and I were driving across the country. Uh, My youngest brother was going to work in L.A. And we're driving through, I want to say it was either Kansas or Nebraska. And we we kept seeing these signs, these billboards saying, Prairie dog land. Come see prairie dog land. <laughs> you know, wild buffalo in prairie dog land. Um, you know, rattlesnakes and coyotes in prairie dog land. And so my 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 youngest brother and I, we were we we were talking about how we, we've got to we, we we cannot miss this. Okay, you know, every thirty feet there's another billboard. This is going to be just outrageous. <laughs> uh, but my uh, my other brother was really against going to Prairie Dog Land. And he was like, they're, they, they've got animals in cages. You know, they're probably not fed. I'm not giving them my money. You know, total horseshit. We're not going. And we're like, we're going. We're going to Prairie Dog Land. We're going to see this place. <laughs> <laughs> so... We walk in the place, and it was really, really inexpensive. We walk in the place, and the first thing you come to are basically wooden pens with chicken wire on the top filled with rattlesnakes, like <laughs> like 50 <laughs> rattlesnakes in a box. And huh. and they're all, and they're like there's like six or eight boxes, all with different varieties of snakes just poured in them. And my brother's like, I told you, this is horrible. You know, I'm getting... So then you kind of walk through the interior of the place, seeing the animals they got on the inside. Then you go back out to the to the lot. And, you know, sure enough, there's animals in cages is what they were, right? I mean, there's a buffalo that, you know, skin and bones and his fur's hanging off of them. There's a coyote that looks like he hasn't had a meal in a month. You know, there's prairie dogs running all over the place. but <laughs> Loose? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got to be careful where you step because there's prairie dog holes and stuff. <laughs> so, so, so my one brother who didn't want to go, he, he's like, fuck this place. <laughs> he goes, I'm going out to the car. 
He's like, I told you, I told you, I told you this is going to be what. Ah. So he goes, he goes, he leaves. We wander around a little bit more. So then we go back around or we exit. And as we're exiting the front door, there's my brother pissing right next to the front door, right along the bill, right on the building. <laughs> People, people are coming and going, and he's like, "This is what I think of Prairie Dog Land." <laughs> and, he's, uh, and he's pissing on their building. <laughs> teddy bear, teddy bear, oh, precious. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I wouldn't go to GW Zoo or whatever it was called. Uh, would you go to the one in, uh, I think, Miami, Doc Antles? No, I, I really wouldn't. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're really usually horrible places. And, um, you know, especially if they're doing any breeding whatsoever. I mean, I'm not saying that Carol is any better than uh, than these other characters in, in, in the documentary. Right. But I do give. She wants you to think that, though. She does, but she is. She not, wants you to think she's the pious of the bunch. But she is not breeding, or at least we don't think she's breeding. Well, no, she's not breeding, but she's still profit. running a shit show. Profit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you got to pay for it somehow. So uh, I don't know. Maybe in her defense. Yeah. <laughs> she still killed her husband. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably very little question about that. You know what I thought of when I saw that documentary was, um, you know, we've gone on a couple cruises over the years out of Florida, and it's always tricky that the day you get off the boat to go back home, you got to time it with your uh, flight back home and all that kind of stuff. So they offer these excursions yeah. to do they they take care of your your luggage and all that so you don't have to worry about it the not the last cruise we did but the one before we did a thing out to the Everglades we'd never been there so we thought oh 50 bucks a person they take care of our luggage all day they get us to the airport on time it's great so we go out there and we get on the remember the show gentle ben with the jet boats oh yeah or the air yeah, they had those, so they had these massive jet boats, and we are out looking for alligators and all that kind of thing. Long story short, when you get done with the jet boats, then they take you to, like, a zoo that they have, and this zoo is completely exotics that people had purchased and found that are dangerous to them and they may kill you. So they just abandon these things in the streets or whatever. So there was like black jaguars and black leopards and these big cats, these, these crazy snakes and all that kind of stuff. And that's all I kept thinking about this entire zoo was just abandoned exotics. And it made me, that's what it made me think of when I saw this. It was crazy. What, what did you think these- of the condition of that place? It was mediocre. I felt I felt bad for the animals, but it, it, at least this was a rescue, and, and 
they were trying to do something positive, but uh, it, it was just crazy. Uh, all the stuff. And I kept thinking, who in their right mind would want this in their house? <laughs> this is this big black leopard. I mean, it's like 200, 300 pounds of vicious cat. This is what you want around your family? I mean, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, you know, you know they're, people are idiots and they they get them as cubs and they think they're awesome. And then all of a sudden, you know, they grow up and they're dangerous and they have to be put in a cage. And, you know, they're they're eating $100 a day, um, you, you know, so it, it's 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 just ignorance for the most part. And did you guys find it also like getting back to the documentary, how they kept stressing the draw of wanting your picture taken with a cub? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that kind of weird? I, I, I had no desire to have a picture taken with a cub, but they were saying that was really the draw. And in large part, the money making. Yeah. Right, especially with uh, Joe Exotic traveling around the country. I mean, he was all over the place at malls with cubs. And it's like, what malls are going to let these cubs in anyways? Because they weren't really contained at all. (laughs) Apparently a lot of them. Yeah, I don't think they're dangerous. I don't don't think a little tiger cub is dangerous. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It just just seemed like an, an odd thing to me. Uh, but the whole documentary <laughs> was an odd thing to me. Well, here, yeah, here's the part that, I, that? I, I guess I still haven't figured out. This was a documentary that was kind of being filmed while a documentary was being filmed, right? It, it was a TV reality show. That's what that one guy was was trying to capture. Yeah. So we could sell it to a network. So I don't know if you'd call it a documentary. It was more of a reality TV thing. So I don't know. Are we, are we splitting hairs there? I'm well, not, not trying to be different. No, not really. Uh, so Netflix says we want to do a documentary on this. And oh, at the same time, you've got another guy here filming for a reality TV show. And then again, I don't want to be a spoiler alert, but <laughs> what well, we wouldn't pay to see that reality TV. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so yeah, I see your point. You're, you're talking about how there's like video from that TV show that shouldn't really exist. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm saying, well, it never does exist. It, right, but we we see some video of like. There's a few things, yes. There, yeah, but for the most part, it's all done by the crew that went out there and filmed this. And yes. when they filmed it, they they may have started not even knowing that there was a reality TV show. Like I'm I'm wondering. I think there was some of this in the beginning, and um, maybe I've just kind of forgotten it. The the people that started the filming of this, they were just after what um to, to to learn more about the big cat industry in the US wasn't that really kind of what the original premise was and then it led them I don't to know these the characters? original premise I, I have a feeling that even if they knew they were going into this real weird world that it went 
well beyond anything they expected. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no matter how you slice it, they never expected it to go down this road. <laughs> Just the stuff that happened while they re- were recording was insanity, mm-hmm. let alone what happened before they recorded. So, no, this was just a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Um, well, I I already know what, what the three of us have to be for Halloween. <laughs> pink, pink, pink shirts and black cowboy hats. <laughs> Are we all picking characters, though? No, no, no. I just told oh, you. Oh, okay. Pink Western shirts and black cowboy hats. Okay. So we're all being the same person. No, 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 no. The wedding. Right, right. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm on board with that. Uh, well, it is a crazy phenomena. Uh, and... Uh, Certainly lit up the uh, the social media. The memes have been fantastic. Yeah, I don't have any necessarily to share off the top of my head, but go online and there's just so many fantastic memes of Joe Exotic. Uh, there, there, there's one of Trump. Oh, I saw <laughs> the Joe Exotic Trump. Uh, there's two of them out there. Yeah, I've seen. You might have to find them and share them with me. I don't know. I'll remember those. Uh, anyway. Well, if you haven't seen it, go see it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. How could you not have seen it? It's the law. <laughs> it's the isolation law. You must watch it. Um, I think it should be. I think that should be a law. While you're in, sheltered in place, you need to watch... Tiger King. Well, one of the things that I just sort of was reminded when I was Googling these memes was um, Joe took a run of politics. Oh, yeah. A serious he run. He ran for president. A serious run. For the governor of Oklahoma. Yep. <laughs> he ran for president first, and when that wasn't going to happen, he went for governor. And he got 19%. Yep. Nineteen <laughs> percent. It is such a black path that we walk down. <laughs> uh, I, I think people are just grasping at straws at this point in their quarantine. <laughs> just give us anything. Anything. Uh, to make it for, I think you are right. This. I think lightning struck for Netflix <laughs> with, yeah. with the timing of this, <laughs> for sure. I heard rumors that there's enough material and ongoing stuff that they could do a season two. Oh, yeah. If you think about it, I mean, probably what, you know, they, they, they because the episodes were short, so they're like 45 minutes long. Yep. And, you know, they're there all all day filming every day, whatever. And they, they came up with, uh, you know, six hours worth of material. Um, there, there, there's probably, you know, probably hundreds of hundreds of hours on the, uh, cutting room floor. 
they were filming there for it seemed like years, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> so, so so was that other guy. <laughs> yeah. Who who had real credentials? Uh huh. Like they kind of all this. He was legit. I almost, I almost did uh-huh. a spoiler. Yeah, I, I know, I know. That's why I, I got to watch it if you're if you're in that uh, whatever you, those two people or two percent or whatever it is that haven't seen it. Hey, do either of you guys listen to the podcast? My favorite murder. No, I know of it though. You know, I knew you knew of it, Nobs. I'm familiar, but cool. I haven't listened. I, I might have listened when we were doing homework. I did listen one day when, I, when we were doing homework for our show back in 2018. Hey, Nobs, maybe you can help me out here. Um, Pat Oswald's wife, are you mm-hmm. familiar with her? She's an author. I know Pat Oswald. I don't know his wife. I thought his wife well, passed she, away. She did pass away and she was instrumental between her and this guy named Paul Holes that helped to solve uh, the serial, serial killing out in California. Not any of that sound familiar? No. Well, long story short, there was a, another guy that worked with them in that group. I, I can't think of what the guy's name is off the top of my head. But after this Tiger King thing came out, he, he's one of these guys that will go after like cold cases and stuff like that and do the hmm. digging that the cops won't do. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're pretty successful. He said that he was willing to check into that woman. I, I can't recall her name. Carol Baskin? <laughs> Killing her husband. Yeah, Carol Baskin. He this this guy who's very successful through this uh, my favorite murder said he was willing to take on the Carol Baskin thing. So when you mentioned another season, I was just thinking to myself, I wonder if it has anything oh. to do with that. That maybe there is something there. So you're talking about Paul Holes is the other guy, right? No, no, not not Paul Holes, but this guy worked with Paul Holes in. Pat Oswald's wife. They were like this team. Because I'm looking and, and up the article, and, and it says, Paul Holes has gotten a lot of credit for helping to identify a s- suspect in the Golden State Killer case. Yes. Uh, but it wasn't Paul Holes. It was, um, shit. it was a guy that worked with Pat Oswald's wife. But they were all sort of a team together. Yeah, I just don't, I don't see the, the third person in the stories. I see Michelle McNamara. That's Pat right, Oswald's wife. Right, and then but that's th- those are the only people that are mentioned in the first article that I opened up about it. Well, she passed away, and then the guy that I'm thinking of picked up where she left off when she passed away, and then it, Paul Holes was involved with it, and they ended up um, basically solving that case which had been around for 25 years or something mm. like that. Mm. So, uh, whatever. It, it just kind of came to mind, and I, I thought if there was a second season, maybe that's part of it. How about Billy Jensen? Does oh, that sound familiar? That's him. Yeah. Billy Jensen. Yep, that's him. So he's he, he said he's willing to jump in here uh, and, and look at some of the, the, the crimes of the uh, cast of characters in Tiger King? Yep. <laughs> yep. 
Somebody ought to. Mm-hmm. So. Hey. All right. So what do you guys think of your yeah, beers? Yeah, I was going to say. In other words. I still love mine. Uh, I'm a big believer in this one. Um, mine's going to be a, a low for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, I was thinking you were going to say a low not for me. <laughs> so I, uh, I got to go, man. Yeah. Fair enough. It's, it, it's, it's, it's an okay Bach. Um, I, I have three more. You know, I will finish them. <laughs> Sounds like punishment. Uh, never. I'm trying to... The way you said it, I will finish them. All right. Okay. Bottoms up, guys. Watch yeah. Tiger King and bottoms up. Bottoms Cheers. Out. Out. Politics, some culture and craft beer. Politics, and that is why you're here. Politics, I don't.